Pastor Xavier Reese and the strife in serving two masters. Solomon wanted the best of two worlds. Hear me well. You cannot have the best of two worlds. You cannot be a right-on Christian sold out to God and still be having one foot or two feet in the world. You just can't. You cannot have the best of both worlds. You might think you're getting away with it for a while, but you're only deceiving yourself. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. God is faithful all the time. God's children are faithful, but not all of the time. That's the same struggle that's gone on for generations and even evident in our lives today. Today, Pastor Xavier reminds us of God's truth and what happens to His people when we forget who the Lord is and start relying on what we think is best. Turn to the book of 2 Chronicles 5 for today's important simple truths drawn from our verse-by-verse study series. In chapter 5, it says, So all the works that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and all the furnishings, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chief fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem, that they might bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord up from the city of David, which is Zion. So now Solomon is bringing the ark. David took it from Kirhath-Jerim, It was dropped off at the house of Obadiah. David looked up in the Bible or in the scriptures how he was to transport it. He came back. He brought it back. He put it in the city of David, Zion. Now Solomon goes for it there and to bring into the temple. And so all the elders, verse 4 says, of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitudes. Then the priest brought in the ark of the covenant and the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple in the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and the cherubims overshadowed the ark and its poles. And the poles extended so that the ends of the poles of the ark could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except two tablets, which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made the covenant with the children of Israel when they had come out of Egypt. And so at this time, the pot of manna was gone. At this time, Aaron's rod was gone. The only thing left were the two tables of stone. Verse 11 says, It came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping of their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, all of Asaph and Haman and and Jethelum, whatever his name is, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar clothed with white linen, having cymbals, string instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, 
for his mercy endures forever. And the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. We remember the cloud would fill the tabernacle in the wilderness. He would lead them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We know that Jesus will come back in the clouds with great power and great glory. Now in chapter 6, then Solomon said, The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. But I have built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. Solomon's speech to the congregation first of all, then he turns to God. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole congregation of Israel, while all the congregation of Israel stood. Now, that was usually the position of a teacher. A teacher sat, the students stood. This way nobody would fall asleep. If you fell asleep, it was very evident because you hit the ground. <laughs> a preacher only stood when he proclaimed. And so he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. Nor did I choose any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, and you know on he goes on, he couldn't because he was a man of war and because he had shed blood. And so Solomon is really here giving credit and praising the faithfulness of God. Moses did much the same before the children of Israel entered into the promised land. He says, he warned them before they entered, and he says, God has not failed of one promise. All the promises he has fulfilled. And so Solomon, in the very same way, is praising the faithfulness of God. I know that at times in my life and your life, it seems like God has forgotten about us. Sometimes we cannot understand why in the world he would allow or direct us or guide us or allow us to come to such a place. And yet in our frustrations, trying to figure him out and at times even thinking that he might have made a mistake or, or why. Yet in time to come as we trust in him or as he drags us through one of the two. We look back and we see the wisdom of God. And we can see it so clearly. I wish I could look as far forward as I could backwards. That'd be great. But I can't. Faith is something that I trust God for. Reason is something that I can understand. And though my reason is not to be excluded, I am not to depend upon it. And so there is that tension that we live in, trusting God for all that he has and all that he is. Now in verse 12, Solomon's prayer turns now to God from the congregation. He says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. And he spread out his hands, for Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits broad, and three cubits high. And had set it in the midst of the court, and he stood on it. And he knelt down on his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you, 
who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised to your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, you should not fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. Only if your sons take heed to their way to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Take note that Solomon was aware of the condition. The promise to David and Solomon was twofold. Unconditional, which would be fulfilled through Christ, and conditional upon their obedience if a descendant of David was to sit upon the throne. On the one side, God would keep it. On the other side, God would take it away from man. He was aware of the condition on his part, and he fell away from it, and therefore God rent the kingdom from Solomon. Verse 17 says, Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David. But will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven of heavens, and the heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built? Yet regard the prayers of your servant and the supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be opened towards this temple day and night, towards the place which you said you would put your name, that you may hear the prayer which your servant prays towards this place. And may you hear the supplications of your servants and of your people Israel. When they pray towards this place, hear from your dwelling place in heaven. And when you hear, forgive. Now, Solomon is laying here the very foundation for all Jews who ever fell away from God. Whenever they would be taken into captivity. That if they would turn to God and repent from wherever they were at, God would hear them. Daniel was commanded not to worship his God. He did it faithfully three times a day. Examine the prayer of Daniel. It is identical to this. Daniel knew what Solomon had petitioned of God. And so Daniel was obedient and yielding to it. In verse 22 he says, If anyone sins against his neighbor... And is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple. Then hear from heaven and act and judge your servant. Bringing retribution on the wicked by bringing his way on his own head. And justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Verse 24. If your people Israel are defeated before the enemy. And because they have sinned against you and return and confess your name. And pray and make supplication before you in this tent. Then hear from heaven and forgive. In verse 26 he says, When heaven is shut up, when there is no rain, because they have sinned against you, when they pray towards this place and confess your sins or your name, then turn from their sins because you afflict them. Then hear from heaven, forgive their sins and your servants and your people Israel, that you may teach them a good way in which they should walk. And send rain in your land, which you have given to your people and as an inheritance. Now, if you read the, the prophet Amos in chapter 4 specifically, he speaks about this. He says, I sent rain and you did not obey me. I sent rain in one city and not in others, and yet you did not turn to me. I struck your crops. You did not get the hint. 
And he enumerates all kinds of things and God was continually pursuing his people, yet they would not repent. So often we think of ourselves as we're the one that's pursuing God. Oh, I wish that were true. The prophet says, oh, I wish that the people had a heart to know God. God is constantly pursuing each of us, keeping us in step, drawing us to himself. In verse 20 he says, when there is a famine in the land, pestilence and blight and mildew, locusts and grasshoppers, when their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague and whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all the people of Israel, when each one knows his own burden and his own grief and spreads out his hands to this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and give to everyone according to his ways. Verse 31 says that they may fear you to walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you gave to their fathers. Moreover, concerning the foreigner, and he gives the provisions for the foreigner there who would equally have a right to pray as he would proselyte into the kingdom. Verse 34, he speaks about when they go out to battle and their enemies. Verse 36, when they sin against him. And there is no one who does not sin, he says. Interesting comment. Paul picks that up in Romans. And you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy. And they take them captive to the land far and near. And then verse 30 says, And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captives, where they have been carried captives, and pray towards this land which you gave to their fathers, towards the city which you have chosen, and towards the temple which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven and your dwelling place their prayer and their supplications. And now in verse 40, he says, Now, my God, I pray let your eyes be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember the mercies of your servant David. And so... Solomon, his great petition unto God. In chapter 7, he dedicates the temple. He says, Now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. One of the things that is lacking today in the church is the fear of the Lord. And then in verse 8, at that time Solomon kept the feast seven days and all of Israel with him, every great congregation from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt, and on the eighth day they held the sacred assembly for they observed the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast of seven days. So it was 14 days. Seven was for the dedication. And then the other seven was the feast of tabernacles. All of the feasts that were given in the law were all pointing to future fulfillments of Christ. The Passover feast in Egypt was prefiguring Christ the Passover lamb for our sins. In verse 12, we have God's second appearance to Solomon. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heavens and there is no rain, 
or command the locusts to devour the land and to send pestilence among your people or my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, primarily this is a promise to Israel, but we are equally the people of God. I do believe that in its primary setting, it is a promise to Solomon and the nation of Israel. But as a secondary application, we are also the people of God, and I think it's applicable to us. And as I look to our nation, and I look at the perverseness to the downward spiral that it is going, I really don't see any turnaround in our nation based on education, politics, or law. The only hope that I see is a genuine revival by the grace of Jesus Christ. And such would be the case as the scripture declares here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. And so this is a great promise to us to seek the Lord with all our heart. Now in chapter 8, we get a record of Solomon's additional achievements. He says, And it came to pass at the end of 20 years, in which Solomon had built the house of the Lord in his own house, that the cities of Hiram had given to Solomon. Solomon built them. He settled them with children of Israel. He enumerates them from verse 3 on down. In verse 11, it says, Now Solomon brought the daughter of Pharaoh up from the city of David to the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places to which the ark of the Lord has come are holy. How foolish of him. What in the world is he doing marrying an Egyptian? Deuteronomy 17. The king shall not multiply wives to himself. Read chapter 10 of 1 Kings. And Solomon loved many strange women. And it was the women who drew Solomon away from God. 700 wives, 300 concubines. That's a lot of women. Amazing. After all God had done, and here he dedicates the temple, and he brings in pagan women, and he knows they cannot abide. And if you look at the record, I'm not going to tell you where. You look for it. He built pagan temples for his wife. Where do you think? On the Mount of Olives. Across the valley. Solomon wanted the best of two worlds. Hear me well. You cannot have the best of two worlds. You cannot be a right on Christian sold out to God and still having one foot or two feet in the world. You just can't. You cannot have the best of both worlds. You might think you're getting away with it for a while, but you're only deceiving yourself. Now in chapter 9, the queen of Sheba prays to Solomon. She heard of all his wisdom. When the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, having a very great retinue, camels uh, that bore spices, gold abundance, precious stones. And she came to Solomon. She spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing difficult for Solomon that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon 
and the house that he had built, the food and the tables and the settings and the servants. And I mean, just the whole thing. I mean, look up the amount of food that was provided daily for Solomon. It was amazing. She was blown away. Verse 12 says, Now King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, much more than she had brought to the king. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. And so at least the queen of Sheba had the basic instinct to go check out and see if it was accurate. Jesus Christ used the queen of Sheba as a testimony against Israel that the queen of Sheba would stand in that day and would declare the folly of his people who rejected him. Now in verse 13, the weight of the gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Interesting number. Um, besides what the traveling merchants, the traders brought in, all the kings of Arabia, governors in the country brought gold, silver of Solomon. The king Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold and he made all these shields of all these uh, metals. Verse 17, moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. Can you imagine? You have a throne of ivory and then you overlay that sucker with gold. <laughs> Verse 18 says, and the throne had six steps. Six is the number of man in perfection. Six, 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 six steps. Even as fabulous and as glorious as we read in the description of the temple, God says, it is imperfect. <laughs> because all of this, remember, was only a pattern of the things in the temple in heaven, which is perfection. And so as beautiful and as expensive as it was, it was imperfect because it's only a shadow of that which is in heaven. It goes on to speak of the 12 lions that stood there as ornaments in verse 19, the drinking vessels of Solomon in verse 20, all of gold, none of them was of silver, and he speaks of the ships that went to Tarshish for every three years, some merchant ships to bring back gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. All the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present, articles of silver, gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, mules, at a set rate year by year. Solomon had four thousand stalls of horses and chariots and twelve thousand horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the kings of Jerusalem. It's interesting that they, they thought that this was an exaggeration until they discovered some of the stables uh, over in Megiddo and they found them. they saw the number of stalls they were more likely to receive these claim those who always try to find difficulties within the scriptures. And so verse 27 tells us that the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees and abundant as the sycamores that are in the lowland. And he brought horses to Solomon from Egypt and all the lands. And so in verse 29 we get the death of Solomon, the rest of the acts of Solomon, first and last. Are they not written in the books of Nathan the prophet, which we do not have, and the prophecies of Ahijah the Shalonite, which we do not have, and the visions of Idu, which we do not have the seer, concerning Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And so Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all of Israel 40 years. Then Solomon rested with his father and was buried in the city of David his father. And Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. And we'll pick him up next time and uh, find out that he also walked in his father's footsteps being a foolish man. Mm -hmm. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the consequences of neglecting the Word of God. More important simple truths he gleans from the life and reign of Solomon, contained within our verse-by-verse series of Second Chronicles. Now, today's message has been titled Second Chronicles chapters 1 through 9 and is available on CD for just $4. And by the way, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So the title to ask for once again is Second Chronicles chapters 1 through 9. Or you can simply mention today's date. Request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com